Welcome home. I'm Kirsten. And I'm Graham. And this podcast is the home at class you wish you'd been offered. We're two moms aspiring to create gracious homes that are welcoming and functional, all while dealing with real life schedules, budgets, and children. Stick with us and we'll share and show what we know, what we've learned, where we've messed up, and how to fix it. It seems like everyone is talking about their Enneagram number, but we had no idea what was going on or why any of it mattered. But never fear, today on Welcome Home, we're bringing in an expert, and we're taking a stab at the baffling world of the Enneagram test. We'll dig into our personality types and help you possibly figure out yours. Plus, driving and honking in New York City, why sitters always drive us crazy, and we're not talking about babysitters, and why we've now had an expert confirmed that Graham and I are perfect partners. All All that that and more on this week's episode of Welcome Home. Welcome home, Kirsten. Welcome home. I forgot the name of our show for a second. And well, you know what's fun is we get our stats on our show and we still get the stats on the home hour, which seems like a thousand years ago before we changed to welcome home. And I love how every now, like every day, basically, there'll be like some people who go back and listen to the old shows. Uh, well, it's not just that. I just feel like um, I got a little, I got a little moved by the expert confirming that we're perfect partners. And I think it threw me off my game. It really is. We're perfect. Meant to be. Okay. So what's up? How are you doing? Um, I'm, I'm good. Uh, okay. Yeah. Enneagrams. I feel like everyone is talking about Enneagrams. So Lindsay's a real life friend, Lindsay Bailey, and she's an Enneagram coach. And we're going to be introducing her. Um, we don't need a huge introduction because I believe we t- talk about it, but, um, but she works with people to explain and help them figure out why, um, well, what their Enneagram number is and then why it's important. And, and it's, it is interesting. So she really gets into it. So we don't need to repeat that, but, um, I thought it was fun. I thought it was useful. She's so sweet. I loved her. It's a personality test for anyone who's unfamiliar. Yeah. So it will help us live our life better with those around us and understand ourselves a little bit better. Yeah, I thought it was fun. And I think it, it could be really helpful. And um, we have lots of, I always say, go to the show notes and we'll have lots of links. And this is one where we really will have a lot of great links to different tests that we did and some different articles that Lindsay referenced. So we'll you can take these and- tests for free. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then there are also ones that, that you can pay a little bit for too. So she's, you know, either way, or there's Enneagram coaches you can work with. There's retreats oh. you can go on. <laughs> there's parades you can march in. I don't know. <laughs> that would be amazing. All right. Oh, without further ado. Let's go. Wait, actually, if we had been paying better attention, we know which one would have started the parade. It would have been mean? that fun one that likes to like. Oh, the party one. I think that's number seven. Okay. You would have been the grand marshal in the in the Enneagram parade. And then other people wouldn't have even come to the parade because it would have been a waste of time. But we wouldn't well, know that unless you took your Enneagram. So pay attention. Okay. Well, sorry. Okay. I know we're supposed to be wrapping up the intro, but I didn't get to say this and I was actually thinking about it yesterday. So you'll hear this soon, but the personality type basically that I got was like the one who does not spend a lot of time analyzing themselves. Basically, like we just march forward without like speaking, seeking consensus or like other people's opinion. But what I find interesting is I started thinking, I wonder if a lot of my type even takes this test, right? Like, (laughs) I will say, I felt like there was a lot of resistance to this episode. And I was like, oh, this is going to be such a cool episode. I feel like you were like, I don't need to know this. So that would make perfect sense. Right. Like I, and so I wonder, okay, so this is where my, my brain, my mental pattern went yesterday afternoon while I was like debriefing in my mind on this was like, okay, so there aren't a lot of people like me who, because we don't, my type does not seek to like look for validation or to like try to understand ourselves because we feel like pretty sure of who we are. So, so then I thought to myself, 
are the Enneagram people like really excited whenever they get to see one of my numbers because it like is more subject matter data for them. That's <laughs> yeah. hilarious. All right. Welcome, Lindsay. All right. We are here now with Lindsay Bailey, who just to be perfectly transparent is a friend of mine. Um, she's here in my closet. When she showed up, I was still in my bathroom. So, but I've 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 really come a long way. I've put on I've brushed my teeth and I'm wearing clothes. So we're good now. We're great. Okay, but so Lindsay, besides being my friend, is actually a certified Enneagram coach. And um, Lindsay's husband and my husband are really good friends, and they've been in this men's group together for years and years. And um, she and her husband did a little what do you guys call that? Like a little chat. Little couples training. A little couples training, and they was it was like wow, like Lindsay actually knows what she's talking about. This is pretty interesting, and it it sparked a lot of good conversation, and it kind of made us look at our spouses in a different way. So it was really fun, and we've had so many people, um, you know, obviously everybody's talking about enneagrams. Like Graham, you've heard you don't even know what it is. Graham's going to be completely the the new gal on the block for this. But um, are we saying it right? Enne- enneagram or enneagram? Enneagram. Enneagram, right. Okay, I knew Kirsten would be mispronouncing it. Of course I'm mispronouncing it. You know how you're always looking for new Halloween costumes when your shoe's Instagram? Mm, Yeah, Yeah. you could be an Enneagram. Oh, I could be, because it looks like something that came out of, um, what's that uh, Dan Brown book? Is that where it comes from? That weird, like, triangle thing? No, you don't know what it, you, okay, so she really has no idea what's going on. But anyway, so Lindsay has been, um, has been doing this for a while now, and she's, as we said, a certified coach, and we've had people actually, we've had listeners write to us, and in their, in their emails, they'll say like, and I'm an Enneagram 4-7, and we're like, we, we, that doesn't help us at all, like, we still don't know what to advise you about furniture, but, um, (laughs) but so we, we, we feel like with so many people talking about this, there's whole podcast devoted to this, but we just wanted to dig in a little bit and learn about our Enneagrams, and why, why you think this has become such a big thing that everyone's talking about and people are referring to and how it's being used in counseling and all the different ways. Like why, why would this be worth digging into and what have you found by being a coach? So does that sound good, Graham? Are you on board? Um, teach me. Teach me your ways, Lindsay. <laughs> okay, will do. So I kind of got started in all of this. Um, I would say as a kid, my mom took me to my first personality test seminar. I'm not kidding you. I had to be like 12 years old. It was so awkward to be sitting there with a bunch of adults, but I kind of geeked out on it after that and started getting into all the different Myers-Briggs and um, all the different personality typing stuff. And one of my good friends sent me this book on the Enneagram and it was so different from all the other ones that I had tried that I just became completely obsessed with it and really just started boring people at every dinner party and every couple's group we got together. I just couldn't stop talking about it. So I'm really excited to be here to geek out. So what makes it different? Give me the high-low. Like, why is this different from, say, Myers-Briggs or the the one my husband always quotes? He's like, I'm an I-O-U or you you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) No. I think he just wrote an IOU. <laughs> no, he just owes you something. Yeah, it's a little different. No, so Myers Briggs, it's kind of looking at the four different ways we process information, almost, mm-hmm. and it's really how you show up to the world is is how I describe it. Then there's things like Strength Finder, which I've taken, and that talks about how in life you're better off. Uh, figuring out what your strengths are 
and going with those and developing those rather than trying to balance out your weaknesses. So it's really great for, you know, job placement and um, team building within organizations, stuff like that. Um, Enneagram is a little bit different in that um, there is nine different points. And basically what they are are nine storylines that everyone has written for themselves. Mm. So I love the way Ian Cron talks about Enneagram in terms of story. That really um, spoke to me deeply. Um, that all nine stories are actually not true. They're just constructs that we created when we were kids to figure out the story in which we were living. Mm. So for example, like when we're young, there's all these facts of things that are true that are actually going on, but the way we interpret them to get like security needs met, um, is very specific to the person. So, uh, I know, uh, one person I'm coaching said that she was a competitive gymnast because she wanted to show her parents you know, that she could do this and that mm -hmm. she could achieve this. And she in turn received uh, admiration, praise, love. That is a need of a child. So she went after it, after that need through gymnastics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that was the story that she was writing herself at the time. So, so she probably shows up as like an achiever or perfectionist, but that might not be who she really is. That's just the story she told herself to thrive as a child. Right. And that becomes a story. Because I've been doing therapy for a year. I'm obsessed with therapy. And I do feel like as I was answering these questions, um, part of me was like, oh, yep, that's what I do. That's what I do. And then I was kind of like, yeah, and I've been talking about why I do that. And like, I don't need to do that anymore. Like, that sounds tiring. Like, I'm not, I don't care if I get it right. You know, like, yeah, I'll get it wrong. Who cares? And it's like a completely different person. But you do realize that um, mm -hmm. I kind of like that because it's sort of like just because you're one way doesn't mean you always have to be that way. And just because you're lacking somewhere doesn't mean you can't you know, cultivate that part of your personality, you know, whether it is you want to be higher achieving or whether it is you want to be easier on yourself or whatever it is, you know? Right. Because it's truly a survival mechanism when you're a kid. So mm -hmm. I always tell people, it's like you were starving and you stole a piece of bread. Like you had to do it to survive. Mm -hmm. So your need for identity as kids, you get identity through other people mirroring back to you feedback. So, so gosh, um, mistakes weren't okay in my home is something that certain numbers would hear. So to get love and appreciation and, and protection really from negativity, they learn never to make mistakes. Um, and so they're going to show up as the perfectionist on this. Yeah. Uh -huh. And really strong in that area. They might not even see it as a negative thing is what I'm saying. It yeah. just became the story. But now as an adult – that's why I like this narrative approach. It's like, you're just a character in a story. And guess what? You get to rewrite the story at any point when it's not working for you. So it's really, it's not judgmental. It's, there's no shame. It's just very easy to go, you know what? That pattern's not working for me anymore. I'm just going to change that because I can. You know why I think that's totally true? You know, I think evidence for that is, have you ever read those books like the birth order book? Yes. Or anybody saying like, well, I'm such a firstborn. Yes. It's totally like, yeah, because like this is not a new thing that, you know, in a family, the firstborn would tend to be treated a certain way or tend to, you know, or that middle child can, you know, get away with more, whatever it is. Um, I think that's really, anyway, I think that's always really interesting too, how that affects personality, your birth order. But yeah. So to get a little even deeper into that, I would say, 
Um, I love this quote by Ian Cron. He says, you can't be your true self if you're living in a false story. So the point of the Enneagram is just to go, what story am I living in? And am I being my truest self? Because we have the um, advantage of getting to get to know ourselves every single day. And Mm -hmm. there are always new things that I learn about myself. Like for instance, this morning, I had this experience with my husband. And it's so funny that happened just before I'm going to talk about this. I started talking to him about when I was in high school and I was in theater And I wouldn't tell my friends um, when I had a performance because I was convinced that nobody cared, that it wasn't cool. And, you know, I just had a little bit of shame around it. Mm -hmm. And my husband was like, gosh, that's so sad. And I realized when I was driving over here, I called him back and I said, that whole story I just told you probably wasn't true. (laughs) And he's like, what? Like you made it up. And I'm like, no, I didn't make it up. I just realized I wrote myself that story that nobody cares about me doing theater and nobody values that I'm creative. But if my mom or somebody else was there, they might have been like, we were in the front row cheering for you. What are you talking about? So I'm going back to these old memories and going, was that even true? Mm. I, I, I don't know anymore, but I'm exploring it. What I do think is interesting, Lindsay, as you said, so Kirsten and I took this little test. Yeah, well, not a little. Yeah, it was a quick test. I mean, it took it me 10 maybe minutes. 10 it minutes. Free 10 it was minutes. a little 10-minute test just to kind of orient ourselves with Enneagrams and to send it to you so you could get a sense. But then before we started taping, Lindsay reminded us that it takes it could take months to come up with what you really are. And what you're saying now is interesting because – I did my test really quickly last night. Like my kids were kind of running around. I was trying to get you the results as quickly as possible. And I think without having really thought it through that I probably just answered my default question, you know, like, are you the person who cares about other people's validation? And, you know, and I'm like, strong, no, absolutely not. You know, but I don't know if I actually even thought that through. I'd Maybe that's just my story. Well, what I would say is tests are not going to probably be the way that you're going to come to your number. It, What tests are great at, I would say, is uh, whittling down and figuring out which ones you're probably not, Um, because a lot of people will have equal uh, strong strengths in different numbers, and then there's a couple numbers that they're just, you know, really low in, a really low score. So let's you, go through some of these. Let's wait, get wait, We're going to go through them. Lindsay's going to walk us through all of them. But one thing that's funny that she said that we need to do is that she's that people who know the Enneagram will be preoccupied until they know her number. Yes. So just for all of you Enneagram junkies out there who are like, I can't, I have to know, I have to know, which I totally get. Because if I understood the numbers, I would be thinking that too. So Lindsay, for those of us who know and love these numbers, yes. What, what's your Enneagram real quick? So uh, if you know the Enneagram, that story I told you might be the tell that I had shame around being in theater because I'm an Enneagram four and often I feel like you just told us the biggest secret. (laughs) This, this will help everybody knowing who's talking. Uh, I am a feeler. And so sometimes my feelings can uh, be misinterpreted or, or whatever. And shame often comes as a result. And as I get older, I'm becoming more and more aware of it, which is great because I'm experiencing it less and less the more I get into this, which is so freeing. But the way that um, I think it might be easiest to break up all nine numbers, because that's a lot of information at once, is to 
break up the three centers. So basically, whenever we're receiving information, we're either using our head space, our heart space, or our gut space. Mm. And so each of the numbers, each three numbers will fall into one of these triads. And this is so important. If you are in a disagreement with a spouse, Mm -hmm. to know the way that they're receiving what you're saying uh, makes such a difference. For instance, my husband is in his head space most of the time. What numbers are those? So like one, two, three is heart, four, five, six is... It. It's it's not that uh, oh. concise. So headspace people are five, sixes, and sevens, and he's a five. Mm-hmm. So what it's taken me 13 years of marriage to realize is he needs time to think about what he feels. Mm-hmm. And because I'm a feeler, I'm always snapping my fingers and really impatient with him. So most of our arguments come from that one thing of him going, can you give me a minute to think about this? And me saying, what do you need to think about? You know, how do you feel? And us just completely missing each other. If you're at work and you have a boss that's a totally different number than you, it's really helps to understand what lens they're looking at when they ask you to get something done or when you're in a conversation. This can apply to gosh, every relationship that you have. And so that's why it's so good to take your time with it and get to know each of the numbers, even if it's not yours, because it's going to really inform you about the relationships that you're in, parents, kids, whoever they are, it's going to help. So we can jump right in uh, to the the heart space or the feelers. And that is numbers two, three, and four. So should when so should our listeners right now kind of be thinking while you're saying this like this sounds like me I could see that in me or oh that sounds like my spouse or my mom or whatever it is for sure okay. you definitely have a feeler in your life okay and if you're not one you're often confused by them so this is going to help you so what feelers do in decisions this is just kind of the overview is they're asking themselves first well how do I feel about it and they're often concerned about their connection with people and who they're with. They're looking for affection and esteem. They're they're very image driven. So other people uh, reflect back to them. It's really important what they're seeing when they get feedback from people. Hmm. Um, They believe I am what others say and think of me. So that's kind of a tricky thing when you're always feeling what others are, you know, giving you. Hmm. So a, a number two, this is, this is the storyline that the number two person finds themselves in. They, their character, if they were to write a story, they want to be known as the loving person in that story. Hmm. And so they're always asking themselves, how will the decisions I make affect the relationships that I'm in? And sometime in their life, however this happened, they heard the sentence you're not loved for what you do um, for others. Sorry. You're not loved for who you are, but what you do for others. Hmm. And so that kind of shapes a lot of their relationships. They want to be needed and they are just very generous and loving people. Oh my goodness. I'm, you're describing someone. I, I can just tell you exactly who you're describing. But I won't, but I can, I got her. Yeah. Or him. And so that's where where some of their frustration lies. So you can see how that person would get 
easily frustrated if they don't get that positive feedback. Mm-hmm. Okay. I got to stop you there though. Like, isn't that what the world tells you not to do though? I mean, like, don't we get enough mantra? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming many people out there are twos and threes and fours, but isn't it, aren't we taught and coached to try to be our best selves by not caring what other people think about us? Well, our culture is not really driven for feelers. There's, there's other cultures, other countries that feelers probably would be more at home in. Hmm. But yeah, the Western US, it's not really valued, but you know, it still has to be overcome. Again, it's a false story. So the point for feelers is to understand you're in your heart space, but you need to learn how to get into your head space and your gut space as well and be more balanced. Mm-hmm. So that's the healing process for feelers is to so, balance themselves. So every number has a healing process? That's the point. The point is to say, this really isn't my story. How do I heal this mm-hmm. narrative that I'm living under that's really not serving me? Because, Interesting. Uh, you know, for threes, which Kirsten, you had a high three on your on your test. So see if any of this resonates with you. Okay. I'm feeling very naked right now. Graham's three wasn't so tiny. Yeah. Graham, you had a strong three too. Yeah. You're up here. Oh, you're right. I did. Okay. So they want to be seen as the effective person and they just really love efficiency and productivity. They want to get stuff done. And as a child or growing up, somehow the message was introduced that your identity is not really you, your own. And if you want to be loved, you need to be successful. So that is, again, these are very subconscious thoughts. This is not like something that you're going to actually articulate and say. And what threes are trying to do is learn through, you know, growth is that your love for who you are regardless of what you're achieving. Graham, I only love you when you're productive. (laughs) Me too. Back at you, love. (laughs) Two episodes today. You are a better person than you were yesterday. (laughs) You are are so strong. (laughs) No, but I get that. Lindsay, this is good. Like I'm feeling- How do Graham and I heal ourselves from our constant- I'm feeling this in my heart. I really am. Because no, I don't know what to do with myself when I don't feel productive. Well, that's a big, yeah, it's a big a, tell. Like we used to have these roommates and we called them the sitters and we're yeah, like, the it. sitters are sitting again. And we would get so mad at them. We're like, you guys have to stop sitting. Graham and I are they, walking everywhere we go. Like you need to get up and get something done today. And they're like, we're, it's a Sunday and we're in college and we're watching a movie. We're like, okay, the sitters are doing it again. <laughs> that's a big tell. You that's think? a really big tell. Yes. And when I saw both of your tests and you both had such strong threes, I thought, wow, what a great partnership. Like. <laughs> you really wouldn't frustrate each other because you both value just getting it done. Yeah, but you should see, like, we had tech issues, shocker, before we started taping with you this morning. And, like, when two threes are both upset about losing time for productivity, it's like (laughs) we're not meant to be together on that plane because we we both don't know how to help each other. Yeah, you need a peacemaker at that moment that's like, it's going to be okay. Yeah, a number nine would be the peacemaker. We got to get a number nine on yeah. G. We need a nine just to sit in the corner and talk you guys a through sitter, everything. A sitter, perhaps? Yeah, a sitter. There definitely can be sitters. Who stops um, in the middle of the day to read a book? I just keep going. Ironically, both those girls went on to law degrees, so one objectively might say that sitting has its problems. For yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who's achieving now? Yeah, who's achieving now? <laughs> oh. That's great. 
So the last of the feelers is the four, and that's my number. Uh, so of course we're asking, how do I feel about something when we're making decisions? But also, how will others see me? The fours storyline, and this might be hard for you guys to understand for a lot of people, it's that we want to be unique in the world and we have to be original. I also got a 90% match in the fours. You did. You yeah, had which really is why I couldn't course. go to law school because there's too many learners. It's not unique enough. Yes. So I'll yes. just walk around and judge the sitters. <laughs> it can be, if you go too far into it, a little bit debilitating because there's things that I want to buy in the store and I love and I won't buy it because I know other people that have it. And I walk out of the store going, there's something wrong with me. And I know it. But until I saw this, I didn't understand what was actually happening. Uh -huh. I was afraid that I wouldn't be seen as unique. Mm -hmm. And that's how I get love is my specialness. That's how I learned as a kid to get love and security by being special. And I totally, I totally see that like how that could be like validated by others. Cause I'm like, Oh, it's true. Lindsay is one in a million. You'll never meet anyone like Lindsay. Like, Oh, that's so Lindsay. Like, yeah, you, you totally boost my ego. I totally when I'm around I'm like, you. there's no one like you. You're just the most fascinating person. <laughs> yeah. That's everything. Okay. Just can I, I just say one more thing about your personality trait though? What is the one that, um, what part of it is, this is a very interesting thing. Cause when I feel pain, other people's pain, I'm like, Oh, it's going to be okay. I have to go over there now away from your pain. And Lindsay's attracted to oh, pain. I love it. Lindsay, Lindsay <laughs> loves pain. She's like, Oh, tell me. I'm like, I had a really hard weekend. She's like, oh, okay. Tell me all about it. Like, let's dig into it. Just wallow. And I want, and she like thrives. Like that's how she helps people. Whereas I am like, get the away. You know, there's, I'm sure there's a place that mm -hmm. they will help you. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, here, we're just going to make a checklist. We're going to knock it out. Like, you're sad. Okay. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go for a two mile jog. And then what I'm going to need you to do is, like, call the person you have the fight with and you're going to say these three things and, like, just checklist it out. So I'm guessing that's a feeler, but is that that's specifically a feeler? Or is that it's one reason when I was in sales, mm -hmm. it was a challenge for me because the second someone said they were having a problem or whatever, <laughs> I would drop my entire sales agenda and talk about their mother and the dynamic that started when they were a child. And after an hour, I went, oh, do you want to buy this? Like we totally got off track because I, the connection I get from talking about what people are going through uh, feeds that need for connection in me, that feeling in me. I get so, so much from it. Um, so the important thing, if you're in a relationship with a feeler, if your kids are feelers or uh, your parents, whoever, you need to validate the feelings, even if you don't totally understand why, uh, to be heard, to be validated, because the feelings, this is what I have to teach my husband in the, his headspace, feelings are actually data. And some people appreciate the data and some people don't. But it's telling you something really important about them, whether or not you recognize it. So just validate it as useful information if nothing else. So any questions about the feelers? The feelers. No, I think we've got the feelers. And I actually think we're going to take a really, really quick break because we've just got a sponsor we want to tell you about. We have Care Of. What is Care Of? It's a subscription service that delivers vitamins and supplements customized for your specific health needs. You take a short little quiz and you answer questions about your diet, lifestyle, fitness, and health goals. And then they put together a personalized plan that's just for you. Yeah, if you're looking to get back into a healthy routine with summer, you know, kind of in its full 
scope right now. You can make health and wellness a priority. Again, care of makes it easy to upgrade your health routine. They have an online quiz that's fun. It asks you about your diet, your health goals, lifestyle choices. It takes about five minutes to find your personal scientifically backed vitamin and supplement recommendations. I kind of love the quiz because, um, I am very inflamed, honestly. It was, and it was also like, do you want more energy? Do you want to be a better person? I'm you like, just yes. like to talk about yourself. Yeah, well, it just it was like- podcasts like to take quizzes about themselves. I'm just interested for people who like, yes, I need more energy. I'm wondering how few of us need less energy. I think I'm actually good on my energy. But um, taking care of your health should be easy and convenient. And they make this very easy and convenient because it's very easy to find out what your specific- needs are to be your healthiest. And as far as convenience, you guys, you get these cute little vitamin daily packs. Well, I guess it depends on, you know, what your results are in your plan. Like some people get protein powder or whatever, but I got these cute little vitamin packs and um, they're so convenient for travel. I've just been throwing them in my makeup bag. So uh, that is so much easier than carrying like a bunch of random vitamins around. You get the little pack. Also, the one last thing I want to just bring up is that there really is a difference with the care of. They make sure that what you're putting in your body comes from the best sources and they're backed by honest guidance and transparency that are all available to on their website. It's a very, um, it's a very transparent website. You know what you're getting. Neat. So we have a great deal as usual. What you do, if you want 25% off your first order, go to take care of. So it's simple, takecareof.com and enter the code welcome home and you'll get 25% off your first care of order. So again, takecareof.com code welcome home. Happy supplementing. We have another sponsor we want to tell you about, and that is Native Deodorant. At Native, they create safe, simple, effective products that people use every day. They create products with trusted ingredients and trusted performance. There are over 7,000 five-star reviews from their customers. They are, you guys, the thing about the Native Deodorant is it's formulated without aluminum, paraben, and talc, which are pretty big deals to a lot of people. Yeah. You get free shipping and returns, no animal testing, and it works. We have tried it. We actually quite enjoy it. So I, I think I smell pretty good. Um, yeah. I got the <laughs> lavender rose. What flavor did you get? Yeah. The flavors are cool. I think I got the lavender rose as well, um, but I smell very lavender. I love lavender. So that was a nice one. Wait, wait. Um, it's funny that we call them flavor because they're they're more people call them scents. I mean, I know, I, but I've never seen a deodorant before that has like coconut and vanilla, cucumber and mint. Oh, sorry. Just kidding. I got eucalyptus and mint. I was going to um, say, you got something different than me. Yeah. I got eucalyptus and mint. It's neat. I mean, you kind of feel like you're making something special for your own Something <laughs> <laughs> special for your own um, Just cooking up something special under there. You licked it, Graham? Because I feel like if you licked it, then it would be called a flavor. But that's we're going to smell it. So it's called a scent. That'll, that's our little tip to remember. How about this? My big proxy for good deodorant is I don't like the white residue. I'm really weird about that. I think a lot of people probably are, but no, I have not, not experienced that. But for 20% off your first purchase, go to nativedeodorant.com. Use the promo code welcome home. So again, nativedeodorant.com, promo code welcome home, and you'll get 20% off. It's yeah, very affordable. Lindsay, you will like native deodorant because you're always looking for a natural. It's in my drawer already. Oh, it is? Yes. Do you I'm, like it? I am a user. Yes. Wow. That was like an endorsement. Um, I got the lavender rose. That's the one I love. It was so yes. fun. That's so funny. Okay. There we go. Thanks, native. Now we're on to, to yeah. thinkers, right? Okay. We're done with feeling. Now we're okay. going to go to our heads. Okay. Moving up from our hearts, everyone, we're going to go into our heads now and start to think with the headspace people. This is the numbers five, six, and seven. Okay, Graham, you got pretty high on seven. I think I'm at a hardcore nine, though. So we're going to wait. You're a hardcore eight. Oh, eight. Okay, keep yeah, going. So we're not okay. there yet. So, but you're, you're, you got a little bit we're of headspace. Close. 
So headspace people, they are obviously information gatherers. They want to really understand something before they ever make a decision. Even in a, an argument, even in a fight, they want to kind of gather all the facts first. They are concerned in life with like, where am I? Because they're preoccupied with where am I going? And more importantly, how do I navigate life? How do I get through whatever's coming up? So their main focus will always be towards security and survival. And they kind of believe I am what I have. So that's a really broad stroke to uh, talk about three completely different numbers but that's just a little bit of more information of how headspace people kind of think. So the number five Enneagram, they want to be seen in every room they're in, in their story as the wise person. And they acquire knowledge in order to be comfortable in the room. So they, their knowledge and their information is their security system. And a lot of anxiety or fear might come up around not knowing something. And so that's why they want to just acquire more. Wait, that. I still got a 90% on my five tip. Okay. So you definitely are a thinker. Mm -hmm. um, so they're concerned with resources running out. I don't have enough information. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough. So the things that fives really need to rewrite in their story is that there is abundance in the world and that there's always going to be enough. And that is probably the number one thing I say to my husband when I see him going into this place of like hesitancy or anxiety, I always just look at him and say, there's always enough. And like now he knows what I mean by that. Before that used to bother him because he's like, what do you mean? There's not enough. But now he knows his own number and enough to see that, oh yeah, I'm doing it again. I'm getting into a fear mode here. Mm -hmm. And I'm there to very gently and kindly help him out of that. So it's kind of really worked in our favor. And, and you can see his pain, which you're just loving. Yes. <laughs> I really want to get in there and connect on that. But the, the whole reason I really got so far into the Enneagram was to help my marriage. And I felt like we were talking to each other and neither one of us actually had any idea what the other one was saying. Mm -hmm. And I went, how are we speaking two different languages? And this is like our, inter our interpreter. Because men like are from Mars? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. What planet? Um, the number six wants to be the loyal person. And somehow early on, they decided their character in the story could not trust themselves to be safe in the world. So everything is dealing with, I want to be prepared. I want to look into the future, scan around what could go wrong. I want to be prepared for that thing. I, they're always have stuff in their bag, stuff, you know, stashed away. They're always prepared for whatever could happen. And they just need to learn how to trust themselves that they're going to know what to do when the situation arises. They're mm. going to be able to get through it one way or another. That is something is like they have to say it like a mantra. Mm. Um, because of this insecurity, what they often do is they ask a bunch of people their opinions before they will ever make a decision. So if you have any sixes in your life, um, like my, I think my mom is, 
she will call each of my siblings and ask for their opinion about very normal things. And I keep going, why, why won't you just make the decision, mom? Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, let me call your sister and then I'll, and then I'll get back to you. And then we'll see what this person thinks. And then we'll decide. And when I saw this, I, now when she does that, I go, okay, great. Get back to me when you see what they say, because I understand why she's doing it. It's not just to frustrate me. <laughs> it's <laughs> just mostly there's more to it than that. So that is the loyal person. Okay. And then we'll, we'll jump into the sevens because Graham, you had a very strong seven and they are called the enthusiast and they want to be known as the joyful person. So sevens really live their life trying to figure out how to not depend on anyone else. So when they're making decisions, they really like to see all of their options laid out before them. Like I can't make a decision till I know every single option I have and then I can see. Uh, they don't love com- being committed to things. They're not the first to be like joiners in things, but they're very social and they're very fun. They're usually the life of the party because fun and freedom are the way they avoid pain or fear. So they throw themselves into that. And my best friend, um, since we were little girls, is a seven. And boy, did she just add so much joy and fun. And the second I would start to get melancholy or serious, she'd be like, "Uh uh-uh, we're not doing that. Like, turn it around. Like, she always knew to just redirect me and be like, we're going out. You know, Mm -hmm. so I was like never allowed to sit around and sulk or feel sorry for myself around her. So I love sevens. They bring so much enthusiasm into every person's life. And, um, okay, can I say one thing about that? So we, Graham actually read some, um, some listener feedback we got. So we had some sweet reviews on iTunes and Graham read one, but she's brought this one review up like six times. And it was because the person said why she loved it was she, the, the reviewer had said something about like, so many people sit around and talk about how much their life sucks and you just never complain and you're ready to go. And Graham like found that to be an extremely high compliment. That, that was like the greatest compliment. The, the greatest compliment. Now you, now you do join things and you do commit to things. So that's the only problem I'm having with that. But, but Graham is definitely like, how can we make this more fun? Yes. You know? But what do we have to overcome? What do sevens have to overcome? Well, They're sevens just to- need to tell themselves, I will be taken care of. Mm-hmm. And I can handle what's happening in the present. I don't always have to look to the future. They like to plan trips and they're always like <laughs> thinking about the future. Um, and so it's harder for them to be present. So I think that's, that's what they need to just work a little bit more on is being present. Work a lot on that. Yeah. Okay. Going. This is very interesting. I'm glad we found you. So any, anything else before we get to the gut people, which sounds very strange to say gut. No, I'm excited to hear about the gut people. Okay. I'm, thinking, I'm definitely thinking, do you, do you feel like men tend to be in, in one area more? Are there any traits that are more masculine or more, or not any numbers that are more masculine or feminine? I think typically, like stereotypically, yeah. you think of eights as more masculine. And so for women who are eights, I think they struggle to still be seen as you know, stereotypically feminine Mm -hmm. and they have to work on that. Likewise, it's, I know men that are in their, their feelers and, and the world might not value and the world does not get them. And Mm -hmm. they struggle so much with their idea of masculinity Mm -hmm. while feeling so deeply. Mm -hmm. So 
the gut space and the feelers when it's, you know, a different gender can be tricky mm-hmm. um, in some situations, but. Yeah, that's interesting. Just because I feel like women are like, again, totally stereotypically, but like they're more wanting to talk through things and like, how does that make you feel, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't know whether that's like a cultural thing. Like maybe that's, maybe that's what it is. It's like when all of your girlfriend's grandpa, like, let's talk it through, let's talk about it you know, that maybe that part of your personality has been cultivated a little bit better. And so maybe that's how that became part of your story. I don't know. Just, well, it just made me think about, as you know, I'm obviously thinking about my husband while we're going through these and trying to figure out who he is. But And I think the culture is shifting. And yeah, for the first time, valuing women of, you know, different personalities and women that speak their mind, whereas, you know, years ago, it, that wasn't okay. Yeah. So I think we're going in a really great direction of, just appreciating people wherever they're at and mm-hmm. understanding again, they needed it to survive. Mm. They needed it. So just be so gentle with yourself when you start to observe some of these things. Mm. Um, Eights or, or sorry, let's just start with the gut space because this took me a second to understand because it's so repressed in me. Okay. So I am daily working on doing Gut space people are doers. They don't sit and think as long. They don't sit and feel as long. They're like, let's get into action. Let's make something happen with this thought, with this decision. Wait, sorry. The gut space people are eight, nine, and one? Eight, nine, and one is the gut space. Yes. We've gone back around the circle. Right. Okay. And they really rely on the, you know, like their gut instincts. This is, I just have an instinct about this and I'm going to act on it. And they like to feel sure of themselves. So they're always in the back of their minds asking themselves the question, like, how am I doing? Because they believe I am what I do because, like I said, they're in action. Mm -hmm. And they are kind of focusing, scanning around in life, looking for who has the power and control. That's kind of the underlying you know, theme that again, they wouldn't articulate, but it's kind of like an app that's running in the background. Mm are you trying to control me? Am I, you know, do, am I in control of myself? It's a, it's a running theme for them. So the eight is the first stop and they are called the challenger, but in a storyline, they would be the powerful person in your story that you're writing. Mm-hmm. Um, they use this power and strength of their personality. And by the way, I think I forgot to say this earlier. Personality is just how you show up. To your life. Okay. That's Ian Cron's definition. I think that's the easiest way to say it. Just how you show up. Oh, wait, by the way, Graham, you are the biggest in Challenger. Challenger is your biggest category by far. It 96%, which basically I was sitting here wondering if I was a man. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous. So it, it masks the, the power and control. It masks uh, that they don't value vulnerability. They see it as weakness. Total weakness. And in their family, <laughs> you kidding. You know, I'm kidding. <laughs> She's not kidding. <laughs> Whatever was going on in your family, that just wasn't praised to be vulnerable. And, you know, maybe what was praised is just getting stuff done. So you, you quickly learn, oh, I get more identity by being a doer than being, you know, vulnerable or a feeler. So you go with that and it works better. Uh, so they're kind of always asking themselves, well, what, what does my gut say about this? And what they want to be saying to themselves is 
you can be all of who you are and still go back to an innocent place where you can trust people and be vulnerable and it's okay. They just need to give themselves permission to be, to develop that part of themselves again. So how do you feel about that one, Graham? I know. It's what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking to be vulnerable. I like it. Um, Sorry. I just went on a three-day vulnerability workshop. (laughs) But that's always been you, Kirsten. You wear your emotions on your sleeve and you're honest and you speak your heart and you speak your mind. And it takes me, it'll take, I'm the one who like when I have a fight with my husband, it'll, it'll take like an hour before I'll say what I'm really thinking. Yeah. It takes a while. I don't know. This is very vulnerable. I don't think I can do this on there. So <laughs> uh, what I would say, again, I'm not trying to type you. You really have to figure it out for yourself. Mm-hmm. When you have two numbers that are close together, like a seven and eight, mm-hmm. what we say is it's probably a wing of yours. So a wing is a number that's mm-hmm. next to your core number. Okay. So if you're a one, you could have a wing nine or a wing two. It has okay, to my be seven and eights are big together. Yeah. It's like your second nature. It's like the second way that you have learned how to process things. Which I know Lindsay says that this is like that these little, you know, quick 10 minute ones are, are totally not, um, you know, not, and, may, and Grim also like maybe like the last time we really like lived together and did life on a daily basis, but you know, he, this was so you, I mean, absolutely. But I feel like, yeah, you're super the challenger. You're going to win. You're going to be strong. You've got it. And then also like, you're going to have a ton of fun and it's going to be awesome. You yeah, know, I, I know. I actually feel like this might be pretty accurate. Yeah. I feel um, like this is very, yeah, I feel like this is spot on. Yeah. So you could be a seven with a wing eight. So eight with a wing seven though. Or yeah. An eight with a wing seven. It just depends on, and again, just for time's sake, and we don't have time to get into uh, the deeper things that you wrestle with. It depends on what your core motivation is. So while sevens wrestle more with fear, eights will wrestle more with anger, like an underlying internal anger. And so when you coach with somebody, which is really helpful, they'll Mm -hmm. bring up stuff like that. You know, there is a difference between a seven and eight, but they share a lot of similarities. So I'm not surprised that those are both strong in you. And the more you get to know the numbers, I think it'll be more clear which one you're dominant in. Hmm. So we'll just wrap it up with the peaceful person, which sounds interesting to be in. Oh, sorry. Not wrap it up. Yeah, because we have two more. We've we got nine more. and one. And just and, and if anyone does not know this, it's a circle. So nine is next to one because nine. Yeah. So yes. It goes around a circle. So the peaceful person is that's how they want to be seen. They value peace above all else. They are really always looking, how do I avoid conflict at all costs? Because it's not just the peace around them. It's not peace necessarily even for other people. It's for themselves. They value their own internal peace at all times. And so early on, somehow they wrote a story around that it's not okay to assert yourself in a situation. And to keep the peace, what they often do is they kind of mesh in with other people. So nines often have the hardest time typing themselves of all the numbers because they're like, well, in this situation, I do this. In this situation, I do that. And they can be conflicting because they will kind of blend in to whatever is required in the situation. They're often the mediators 
you know, in a job, they'll be the person that all their coworkers will come talk to about stuff or, you know, just, oh, I just want to get this off my chest. People like to talk to them because they're great to, you know, listen to and they will really be agreeable in most situations. And hilariously, I love Grim Nines keep a low profile and let people around them set the agenda. You like barely showed up in nine. You have like no nine in your grand. <laughs> Like I will set the agenda. <laughs> I sound like a horrible person. I'm, this sounds you're, terrible. No, you don't. You're getting stuff done. I'm trying to figure you're out having a, fun. Kind of having under- fun and getting it done. Well, I wonder too. I'm, li- I'm thinking if this has any kind of like locationality to it, right? Because I mean, I really do think part of my childhood was like. I even remember, I think about driving, the way that I was taught to drive. By the way, she grew up right outside New York City, so right. And so they had um, what they like. I think it's basically like the second the light turns green in New York, like you are taught to honk your horn to make sure that the person like <laughs> knows. So Lindsay just flinched when you said that. That really? was like, like a look of utter shock. I've never yeah, heard that. Like that is, and I, there's even a term for it. And I'm forgetting what it is right now, but um, it was like you literally, you need to make sure that like the idiot in front of you knows to like start driving their car so they don't waste like a second because like other people have to get through the light, you know, but, but it's not based upon like, you really don't like the car in front of you. It's just like, you're in New York. There's a million cars. Like everybody has to be on point on step, you know, don't miss a beat or else like you're just never getting anywhere anytime soon. Right. And I think that that, that attitude was pervasive and everything was like, you, you don't walk like meander down a sidewalk, you walk bristly. And even if like you're just touring with your spouse, like I just, I can't stop walking, like striding down a sidewalk because that's how I learned to walk down a sidewalk. Right. Like I learned how to like weave my way around like people who are just kind of strolling and I don't know how to undo it. Does that make sense? What you're describing right now is a survival mechanism again. Right. So that's exactly what all of our childhoods are. We mm-hmm. had to honk because this is why. You know, there's a reason for all of these patterns. They didn't just come out of nowhere. And so neither none of them are good or bad or you know, better than the other. It's just that's the, your environment and your right. patterns will reflect that. Right. So well, I wonder, that's what I'm saying. I wonder if there's a locationality to some of this, right? Because I can't sure. imagine I'm the only person, like everyone knows the moment the light turns green, you honk your horn. Like everyone from New York knows to do that. And it's not rude. It's not a bad thing. And so I had to unlearn to unhonk my horn here. Yes. You know? Now she's in the south. Now it would be considered like the most horrible thing to do. And like, I literally sit there and my, like I, my, my, I'll dig my nails into my, like I'll be riding, let's say with like my husband or my in-laws somewhere. And like, we'll sit at the light and the light will turn green. And the person in front of us doesn't know to go. And I've actually drawn blood, um, digging into like my, my nails into my palms, like <laughs> wondering why we were just sitting there. <laughs> Yeah, because you're in the south now, and it's like be polite. Come on, totally be sweet. And I physically like had to choke back. (laughs) Yeah, and the south's culture is more like a nine, you know. And you grew up in an eight, you know, an eight culture, so you have to adjust and shift. Like, why are we going so slow? Yeah, what what are you doing? <laughs> but but it doesn't make sense sometimes because really there are many times when it's lovely to go slow. Like it's lovely to walk slowly down a sidewalk. For and sure. it's nice to She's drive. Lying. You want to go fast. Slowly. You're lying. You're saying it. And I, I guess that's the problem is if you're if you're if you're ch- if you're bred that way, right? Like if that's the way you grow up, it's very hard to flip that switch. Yeah. Well, unless you're aware. And so Enneagram is just about being aware of 
you know, your patterns. It's not, again, about judging them. It's just going, once I'm aware of them, then if it's not working for me anymore, I can change it because now I have the choice. Mm -hmm. So we can always change at any time. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Next one. This is the last one. Well, I just wanted to tell nines. Tell us. That they need to start to say to themselves that their presence, their opinions, their feelings matter Mm. and people will love you. So give them all of you. All of you is what is the gift to the world. Um, Because, and I don't want to leave out the way that they make decisions. They're going to ask what, what in this um, decision that I'm about to make is going to cause conflict. So they're always navigating conflict. And Mm -hmm. so just bring your truest self to any situation and you can't go wrong with that. Hmm. So we'll finish with the ones. The ones want to be known as the good person. Okay. And I, and I haven't, I've heard it called the perfectionist too. What do you think? Why why do you go with good person? They get called that. And I just find that to be well, not all ones are perfectionists. Like mm-hmm. they don't, when you open their cupboards, they don't have crazy organized soup cans, all mm-hmm. of them. Some mm-hmm. will. Mm-hmm. But so I'm very high on this and my soup cans are not crazy organized, but I feel like that is one of my flaws that like I really should have my soup cans organized. Right. Like it is a, you know, I know that the right thing to do would be to go hang up this and go get those soup cans organized. Right. Ones believe that it's whatever they see is right is just true. They are more black and white thinkers. So it's very hard to get them into the gray area of situations, like situational ethics and stuff like that, because the cans should either be completely straight or not, never straight. It's kind of one or the other. And I have so many ones in my life that I love that I know that I frustrate because I always say after they make an emphatic statement, I say, well, that's one way to look at it. And to say that to a one is basically the equivalent of saying you're completely wrong. That's what they're hearing. There is not just, there's not multiple ways to look at something that's true. It's either true or not true. But I still, I still ranked high on this, but I will tell you again, I feel like I'm always, I'm like after therapy, after therapy, but I will say by going to therapy for a year, like I'm not, a, I'm not a big one anymore. Like I answered a lot of them out of default because like, it's still just a natural, like, of course I'm Kirsten, I keep my soup cans in a row. But now I'm like, but sometimes I don't. And guess what? Like, it's totally cool. That's you know? such an important point because when people I know are stuck, I always say, think about yourself when you were 22, before you got married, before you had kids, before you, you know, got counseling and started healing some of these parts. Mm-hmm. Think of who you were then because we have learned to adapt and become more of a blend, I think, as we get older. But if you're stuck and you can't figure out your number, a trick is to go back and say, what, what, how did I think about life when I was 22? No, but I mean, I think I would have been like 100% type one. And now I'm, I'm like, hey, you know what? I don't need to be a one anymore. Like, I don't need to be perfect But anymore. that's still a tell about a one. It doesn't mean that you're not more of a blend, but if you're saying that you used to be much more that way. Way more. Then I would dig a little bit deeper into the one. Yeah. I would have initially thought when you just said like, well, that works in that case. What about this case? I would have been like, that's an excuse because you you already answered the question. You know what right is. Right. You know? Yeah. But now I'm like a lot more like, okay, yeah, you know what? It's not going to work for everybody. So 
they were told as kids in their story that it's really not okay to make mistakes. So the best way to get through life is to perfect yourself, others, and the world around you. So they're very interested in causes and getting the world, you know, that's off, <laughs> off the tracks, <laughs> on the back on the tracks. They're not flying right. So they really are uh, politically minded or they care about things very deeply because they really see what could be right about the world. So ones will ask themselves when they're making decisions, what is the right thing to do here? Even if it causes them pain, even if it causes them discomfort, what is the right thing to do is always their motivation. So it's great. We need ones. We need, we need judges that can make decisions and see you know, more black and white. If I was a judge, oh my gosh, <laughs> we would spend the entire court time talking about what happened. Where did your pain begin? I mean, we'd get nowhere. Oh, my mom's a judge and like, she's heartless. She's heartless. Yeah. I'm like, well, but mom, what, what if then she's like, I don't care. You didn't come to work for six days. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. God bless them. Yeah. I no, she's like, well, no, she has like no, I mean, she has compassion, but she just, yeah, she does not. It is like, well, it's that's not a matter of feeling. It's what's true and what's not true. Totally. And that's how they see it. It's so wonderful. Thank you ones for what you add to my life. Um, <laughs> so what they need to do a little bit more of, however, is, uh, tell themselves that they are good enough and that they don't need perfection. That's not really what's required of them in the world. You're doing your best and don't always worry about this idea of what is your full potential. I have to meet my full potential or I've somehow failed. You're good enough just as you are, how you show up every day. So that's what I would say to ones is, is the path to healing for them. Okay. So Graham, I'm surprised you're not big enough on the one, but I think, well, I don't know. I don't know. I think I'm, I think I'm pretty, I'm in a good little spot right now, but I'm going to take some more tests. Actually, that reminds me, where should we send? Because I think that's probably a good time to send people in the direction of beginning to find out what their own Enneagram is. So do you have any references or resources and how do they contact you, Lindsay, if they have any further kind of interest? Yeah. So there's a lot of different Enneagram websites out there. The Enneagram Institute has... Uh, a great resource. Uh, Ian Cron has one. Some of those costs money. Who's Ian Cron? He uh, wrote a great book called The Road Back to You, and he does seminars and he does podcasts, and he's kind of you know known as an expert okay. uh, among many in the field. Okay. Uh, Jerry Wagner, Beatrice Chestnut. These are all big names. Okay. You can look them up. Okay. Uh, I can give you the links that you guys can. We'll put in our show notes for sure. Some of them cost money. What you're getting when you pay money is a little bit more of the background of each of the numbers. They're going to give you a little bit more context. The free ones don't have quite as much, but I think they're still a good place to start. So the first thing I would do if I was to encourage anybody to start looking at this is just to start with any test. It doesn't matter. Just Google it. The one that you gave us was good. What, what was that again? That was a website called truity.com, T-R-U-I-T-Y.com. And that has all of the different tests. That has Myers-Briggs. That has the big five. That has multiple personality tests. So you can find out 
which one's best for you and mm-hmm. take it on that one. I love that. That was one. a good site. I thought that was lovely. Yeah. It's one stop shop. And, uh, then once you take the test again, kind of just start by whittling it down to what you're not and then begin to just observe yourself in conversations in the day without any judgment. The second you go into judgment, you then have to defend yourself Mm -hmm. and that's counterproductive if you're trying to defend your choices. So you're just a scientist collecting data and going, yeah, why did I take offense to that? What was behind that? And just start to notice, gosh, is that how an eight would respond or more like how a six would respond? But as you get to know the numbers more, it'll help you observe yourself better. Okay. How would you say this is just real quick. If somebody's like, well, that's really interesting, but like, what's the point? Like, what, what is it you think has been the biggest takeaway from studying this? And like, what does it mean to work? Cause you do coaching now, right? Mm-hmm. So what does that mean to work with like an Enneagram coach? And like, why would you do that? Is it if your career is struggling or, or is it more relationship based or what do you think? Yeah, I just started this coaching practice, but what I find is everyone that comes has a different goal. For me, like I said, it was for my marriage. I really needed to understand my husband if we were going to go for the long haul. Uh, I know somebody else that's trying to make decisions in their job. So their scene right now is so efficient and so effective. They're getting promoted past what they want to be doing. Mm. And they're getting validation from it. And they're going, now I'm in a place I actually don't want to be professionally. And I need to know what is causing me to be compelled to keep performing, even when I'm not happy. Mm. So we're doing things that we don't actually necessarily want to be doing, or we don't understand why we're doing it. Mm-hmm. So anyone that is, uh, works with coworkers and, and has to communicate with people of what they want and what they need really needs to know how the person that's hearing them is receiving that information. So if you work in an office and you have a feeler, you're going to have to be really mindful of their feelings when you're trying to communicate that they let you down. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're, again, I talked throughout this of how people make decisions. Mm -hmm. If you're in sales, how people make decisions is really important to understand the spectrum of everybody has a different why behind saying yes and buying something. So there's so many applications. I know companies that are doing this with their entire teams and they're having so much success with kind of interpersonal conflicts within the office, families, also with our parents. You know, we're still being parented by them. We're still trying to navigate these parent roles that we still have with them. So I have really changed my um, being offended. I... I, I felt like I was offended a lot and I just wanted that to go away. Mm-hmm. I wanted, I want to be inoffendable, unoffendable. Sorry. Yeah. That's and cool. That's a great the goal. Enneagram really helps with that. Yay. Well, perfect. On that note, do not be offended. We need to wrap up the show. Lindsay, thank you so much for your time. And how really can they find you, Lindsay? I have an Instagram page, Enneagram Joy. Well, no, it's Enneagram underscore. Oh, underscore Joy. Underscore. Right. <laughs> Enneagram underscore Joy. And a Facebook page. And I'll post that all yeah. on the website. Okay, perfect. Um, thank you so much for being here. I I feel like I have a better understanding of all this. Thank you. Thank this was you. wonderful. Thank so you fun. so much, Lindsay. Thanks for coming. See you later.